Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Patricia Newman, an award-winning children's book author. One of the reasons it's great to have Patricia with us is that as summer vacation time is almost upon us, it's simply the best time to really immerse ourselves, and our kids, of course, in reading. Patricia's written numerous inspirational books for children, and her latest is right on that mark as well. Patricia's here this morning to talk with us about it. Nama's Reason to Smile. Patricia Newman, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And this is such great timing just in advance of this fresh new book going to launch this coming week. So we have a little bit of an edge and an insight here to get everyone stirred up about an exciting new children's book. And I'm always so thrilled to see a new book come out. And this one, it rates right up there at the top for so many reasons, Patricia. Oh, really? I'm so glad. What are your reasons? Oh, here I am interviewing you now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's okay. You know, this is a conversation, so that's a legitimate question of me. And that's because, well, girls' education, for one, is so critically important, education in general, but certainly the focus on what girls can do, how we approach this. And uh, I see that you're capturing so much of this in your new book, Nama's Reason to Smile. See, even that really underscores what it's all about with the word smile in there. Right, exactly. I mean, education for kids in the United States is a right, but in so many other countries, uh, many of them developing countries, education is a privilege. So I wrote about NEMA to underscore that fact. And it is an important fact. We sometimes hear about that challenge to education in other countries in Africa with, I mean, it becomes violent when youth, and particularly girls, attend school uh, where they've been kidnapped and just these horrible things go on still now because it was just in the news, I think, uh, earlier in the month. Yes, uh, uh, Boko Haram captured a a bunch of girls um, in Nigeria and let all of the Muslim girls go but uh, kept the Christian girl captive. I have not heard the latest on whether or not she was released. I I read that she was supposed to be released. I I hope she was released. But a lot of things are done to girls because of education. And in fact, in this little community where my Nama lives, Nama is a a fictional character, um, a composite really of a number of children who attend the Jambo Jipya school in in Mtwapa, Kenya. And Many of those children um, are orphans, and they're taken care of at the orphan home that Jumbo Jipya School runs. But also, um, a number of the students um, do have parents. Some have um, only one parent um, around. But if those children do not attend school, they're often uh, sold into prostitution or uh, put to work very, very early um, and absolutely have no chance of an education. And um, if you go to the Malala Fund website, Malala is one of my heroes, Mm -hmm. if you go to her website, you'll see a number of reasons that educating girls just makes sense. 
for not only the girl, but the community as well. Uh, girls often spend their money on their children um, if they're educated and the health of their children. Their children um, are healthier in general. There's, uh, they recover from civil unrest more quickly. And for people out there who already know some of my work, I do a lot of middle grade nonfiction about the environment. So I was so tickled when I found a connection to the environment when writing NEMA, because according to the Brookings Institute, students or children who go to school 12 years have fewer children. And since population is in part what drives climate change, you know, our, our excessive need for more, 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 having fewer children actually helps climate change. So there is my, <laughs> there is my link to the environment. Which is certainly perfect. Uh, all of that ties in. We can see that life is not isolated in these narrow little channels. It all interrelates. And as you were saying, the environmental issue, I was trying to think, now, which piece of that did I really find directly? But it it's the big picture. It's the big picture, yes. It's not in the story itself, because the story is the story of a little girl. But um, who who wants to go to school? But the the big picture of educating girls has all of these positives, and when we think about those positives, they don't just impact the individual being educated; they impact the world. So, educating a girl thousands of miles away um, helps the world. And what I'm trying to, you know, sort of the hidden agenda in Nama's Reason to Smile, there's always a little bit of a hidden agenda in books. Authors have something that they want to say, right? <laughs> yes. So um, the hidden agenda is to get kids to think about the larger world around them. And that, that is so critically important. I think we see bits and pieces of it here and there, but it's needing to really have a j just more of a, an explosion, if you will, of, of that occurring. And certainly then having a children's book, getting it into these young hands, having the parents also, I know that you support that, right, Patricia? Parents mm -hmm. reading this with their kids. Is, oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. In my opinion, that's the single best thing you can do for your child is, is read to him in terms of his or her education. Obviously, keep them, keep them safe, keep her warm, keep her fed. But in terms of education, the best thing you can do for your child is read to them. And so that's also laying the groundwork for education and having them then see, as, as this book circulates all over the world, it's about this village uh, in Kenya we begin to see how we are connected and what each of us does has such an impact on every other being on the planet. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. And when I was a child, the thing that most excited me in school was making a connection to the wider world. You often hear kids ask, you know, why do I have to take algebra? Or why do I have to do this? Or why do I have to study that? 
And when those connections to the real world are made, kids can appreciate school even more. And that's what I try to do in my books, is to give those kids, give my readers those connections to the world that that kind of help them make sense, kind of in the way that fiction also always helps kids make sense of their world in terms of uh, a protagonist who's bullied or um, a protagonist who's a refugee. Fiction helps kids work through some of those dilemmas, some of those hard truths. Um, I think nonfiction can do the same thing by helping them make connections to the world. Where do I fit in this story? And that's another piece of why I love children's books, children's literature, because it really narrows it down to the very basics, the simplicity of it, so that with uh, we seem to have to just really expand upon things w- with adult information. But with kids' literature, it's like, here's the essence, this is what we need to do, and it just drives that point forward just so clearly. Right, Exactly. Exactly. It, it it kind of strips away some of the, oh, I guess some of the red tape, if you will, and, and it, it might simplify the story, but it, what children's books try to do is get at the emotion of the story and try to uh, sort through what those emotions mean to the character. So you have an opportunity to take your books into the schools. I understand that you visit classrooms with uh, your the books that you've written. I do. I love visiting schools. <laughs> well, how wonderful, actually, on both ends. I, I know that you, well, you say you love it, and I'm, I think teachers and the kids would just welcome uh, you with open arms to discuss your books. They, uh, yes, they do. Uh, they're so welcoming, and what I most appreciate is uh, children's lack of reserve. So I get very honest questions. Um, they want to know things that are important to them, and they want to know things they're curious about. I think probably the two most popular questions are, where do you get your ideas? Um, primarily because teach, uh, students are always asked to write to a prompt and sometimes it's really hard to think of what to write when you're writing to a prompt. So I talk about where my ideas come from. And then the other most popular question is, how much money do I make? <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's see, is I that going to be my... <laughs> honest. <laughs> they're trying to determine, is this the career I should pursue? Exactly, exactly. So you haven't had an opportunity, obviously. The book is just going to come out, but hopefully soon you'll have an opportunity to visit classrooms with NEMA's Reason to Smile. Yes. In fact, I have a school visit already scheduled in May uh, in uh, California, in Pacifica. So that will be my first opportunity to present the entire book to a school full of students But I did um, visit a school in Long Island not too long ago, um, earlier this month, and I read a few pages of Nama's Reason to Smile, and I stopped at a very exciting point, and the kids were, were, um, you know, 
what? Wait, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) So I piqued their interest. Well, and oh, (laughs) you know, that is just so wonderful. I think that's the the thing about story uh, and about storytelling is just people don't realize how truly captivating it is. And the children there just illustrated that when you stop and they go, well, wait a minute, you can't just stop there. Right. Exactly. That is so exactly. great. But yes. that particular school, um, this book came to me, it might, you know, that's, that phrasing is interesting because books come to me. I don't often go searching for them. And this one came to me from, um, a, a librarian in, uh, Long Island her name is Donna Rosenblum. She's the executive director for a nonprofit called Reason to Smile, which supports the Jambo Jipya School in Mpapa, Kenya, that is featured in Name is Reason to Smile. And Donna was looking for an author that would tell the story, this story, the importance of education, what what this school is doing for these children. And although the school the school's name is never mentioned in the story, and Nema is a composite of the children, as I said, and not a and not a nonfiction person. Um, we we had a wonderful set of interviews, lots of question and answer, lots of back and forth with videos and interviewing the. Um, the uh, teacher madam, the headmistress of the school, um, I can't tell you how many phone calls and questions and conversations and photos and videos and student biographies and everything that I, I watched and listened to. Um, but this was really a labor of love because education and reading are two things that are so very important to me. In fact, you know, I I kind of pounded them into my own children, and um, it is was such a pleasure to be able to write this story about a little girl who wants nothing more than to go to school and learn how to read and learn how to write and really make something of herself. So when I read part of Nama's Reason to Smile, it was to a school in Long Island that does a project every year. Um, they do a an acts of kindness project, and the money that they raise supports Reason to Smile. And in fact, the school has actually sponsored one of the students that attend Reason to Smile, or excuse me, that attend Jumbo Jippy School. So um, it was just the perfect school to launch Name is Reason to Smile. And you were saying, Patricia, then, that the book came to you. Were you then offered this opportunity, or uh, did you just learn about this happening, and you said, I really want to do this book? Well, Donna approached me. She actually called me up. It was a cold call. Um, She had found out about me through one of my author friends, and my author friend suggested me. She called me up, and we had this conversation, and... Even though I'd never met Donna, um, you know how you just like some people immediately? Mm -hmm. You hear their voice, you hear what they say, and you think, wow, I could be friends with this person. That's how it was for Donna and me. And um, 
the relationship just developed, and I really could not wait to get started. It just sounded right up my alley. It was a perfect fit for me. So she was very patient as the book wound its way through the publishing process, which can only be described as glacial. And um, it's finally here. We're, <laughs> we're finally presenting it to the world, and we are so excited. In fact, Donna is in Africa right now sharing the book with the kids at Jumbo Jibya School. Oh, I would love to be a fly on the wall. Right. Exactly. <laughs> to see. I, I, I made her promise that she'd take video and pictures of the kids as she did this. Oh, for sure. I, I, that's just so exciting on so many levels uh, to have those children experience themselves in a book. How, uh, how thrilling, really. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm looking forward to their comments. So when you say that it was this glacial process, how long did it really require to do the writing of the book? Well, it, it, it depends. The first few drafts don't take that long because I had the story in my head. If the story's in my head, I don't have to sit at the computer for a long time and... Um, watch the cursor blink on the blank screen. So if I have the story in my head, I can get something down. But what I get down as my first draft, second draft, third draft is really pretty bad. It's, it's, it's in fact, it's awful. <laughs> so I have to give myself the permission to be awful in those early drafts as I find the character's voice, find what's important. Uh, you know, the tendency is to put down far too much in those early drafts. And when we're dealing with a picture book, you know, it's got to, it's got to be relatively short. So I had to find the essence of Nema. I had to find the essence of the story. Um, I had to, I had to figure out what would, what would stir readers' hearts and then once I did all that, I submitted it to my agent who started submitting, submitting it to editors at public publishing houses. And it was rejected, and it was rejected, and it was rejected again and again and again. Sometimes I received comments from editors, and sometimes I received polite rejections. When I received comments, I tried to revise. Um, so it was uh, many, I think many editors were... Um, turned off by the fact that it was a story about a real school. And, the, you know, this was, they didn't want to advertise for the real school or for Reason to Smile. So mm -hmm. then I revised the story again. And that's one of the reasons for cutting out the name of the school in the story, because um, it wasn't really an advertisement for the school, but a story about a girl who wanted to go to school and to make that story applicable for students all over the world, I had to, I had to take a step back mm -hmm. and put some of the backstory in the author's note. So it was, a, it was a real learning process to get this story right. But I, I believe I finally did. And um, I'm, I'm so very happy to introduce Nama to the whole world. Oh, absolutely. And to... 
this awareness, again, it's taking the essence into a very simple and emotional way to convey what is actually then can be a model uh, for all over the world in remote areas where education is such a, a challenge for so many people, for for children. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, and this book was published in the United States, which meant it's sold primarily to students of the United States. So those the story has to relate to them in some way as well. And um, that's, a, that's a trick when you're doing multicultural publish, publishing, is that you have to tell a story that takes place in another part of the world, but you have to tell it at such a level that students in the United States can understand it, can relate to it, can can get something out of it as they read it or as they read it with their parents at home. You want to tap into the same sorts of emotions and at the same time help them understand what it's like not to be able to go to school. Let's turn that idea on its head. Not that you have to go to school, but that you cannot go to school. Exactly. And that, I expect, will really uh, have an impact on a lot of children just to get that sense of, what if I couldn't? Initially, they might feel, oh, great, I don't have to go. But I think when reality sets in and talking about the dream, the dream basket, there's that realization. Right, and all of those dreams are out of reach without an education. Yes. So children's books just have such an important role to play in the lives of everyone because, again, it comes to that thing of how we're all connected and it all has an impact on everyone and everything around mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Now, let's take a moment to talk about the art. That's another piece of children's literature, children's picture books that I just love. The artwork can be so phenomenal, which it is in this case. So was that a challenge, finding the correct illustrator? Finding the correct illustrator is always a challenge, um, especially because when an editor and an art director read the story, it's on uh, it's an, it's a word document, double spaced, and there are no visuals at all when I turn in a, a manuscript. And so they, I have something in my head; they have something in their heads, and um, but they know the market better than I do. Um, so, so there sort of has to be a, there was sort of a meeting of the minds with name is reason to smile. I remember the art director gave us a number of different illustrators to choose from. And, uh, I saw Merdok Amini's art and I said, that is it. That is it. I loved the, the, um, beautiful way she captured the essence of every, seen in her her published work and i loved her use of color and her use of patterns uh, i loved her backgrounds there, there was so much to love about her art and 
she really transports readers to Kenya um, in this art. And one of my favorite scenes is the, uh, the little village scene on pages eight and nine, where Nema arrives in the village and you see uh, storefront after storefront after storefront, not like you would see in a strip mall in the United States, but exactly like it would appear in Mtwapa, Kenya. So I think uh, Meredith did a, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful job uh, illustrating this book and really getting to the heart of it. Yes, the artwork is just gorgeous so that I can envision very young children who don't have the the reading skill, who don't have that language, really being pulled into the story because the pictures just totally draw us along and illustrate it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And she did something that I thought was very clever. There are a number of um, references to the um, wildlife in Kenya. Again, I was trying to help readers, young readers, understand what Kenya is like. So, for instance, if I could read just one line, the story says, Mile after mile, my bare feet trace the dusty path that unwinds like a cheetah's tail all the way to town. And Merdok very cleverly put a cheetah on the side of the path, not that Nema is going to wander by a cheetah every day that she wanders down the path, but many young readers wouldn't know what a cheetah is. So she kind of has that match between um, the, the cheetah and its tail and the shape of the path. And then a little later on, there's a reference to a zebra, and she's got a zebra in the illustration, and there's a reference to a gazelle, and she's got a gazelle in the illustration to help readers visualize what those animals are and to help them visualize the parallels between their behaviors and what's going on in the story. It's so super beautiful and enriching. Uh, All of us really benefit from it, and I can see definitely children gravitating to this and learning so much. We should mention a couple of things. First of all, let's mention your website, Patricia, just so people can find out more about you and about your other books. Okay. All right. My website is patriciamnewman.com. And we're wanting to underscore putting the M in there to get to the correct website. That yeah, there's is... a funny story behind that. When I submitted my manuscript for my very first book, I wrote it as Patricia M. Newman. But when the editor um, included it in the, the title page and on the cover of the book, he dropped the M. So I became Patricia Newman. But my website had already been bought and paid for. So um, that's the reason that there's no M on the covers of my books, but there's an M in my website. Aha. Uh-huh. But so definitely we will find in uh, looking for the website, you need the M in there. Critically yep. important. Patricia M. Newman. And the book is coming out, as we said right at the outset, uh, this week. You'll want Mm -hmm. to get there to pick up your own copy. And part of the reason, uh, besides enjoying the book, is that some of the proceeds go back to the school. Exactly. Exactly. So by purchasing a copy of Nama's Reason to Smile, you will 
in fact, be helping to support the students at John Bojipia School. Which is another reason for us to be able to smile. Again, there's that connection how here, you know, tens of thousands of miles away, we can still feel like somehow we are helping to make a difference, um, all of us, and making our children aware of that, too, when we purchase a book. Exactly. Exactly. And so I'm very, I'm just very excited that um, just I'm able to introduce Nema. And when people look at the cover of the book, Nema's name is spelled N-E-E-M-A. That double E uh, in the Swahili language has uh, an A sound. And um, so don't say Nema, it's Nema. Nema. And what is, what does that mean in Swahili? Oh, that's the reason I chose the name. It means grace. Nema means grace in Swahili. And I just look at this little girl in this book, and she is filled with grace. She's a, she's got a certain she's got a certain life to her that uh, keeps her persisting. She's you know if if you talk about she persisted, this character is one of those people. She is just. Uh... She feels like this light being that uh, just moves through the pages of the book and is so enchanting and entrancing. And I am just so thrilled that you brought her to life for us, Patricia. It's uh, This is such a wonderful book. Everyone needs to be reading this and have it in their own library. And I do thank you for doing this work and for spending time with us this morning. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you for the invitation. And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Patricia Newman and Sunday Morning Magazine with Patty Poblete. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I'll get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast. It's on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the On Air tab and Sunday mornings, then look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of doing a special family kind of activity together. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9, the station to pick you up and make you feel good. Good morning.